1: Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel, David plans a parade to bring the ark to Jerusalem, but good intentions with poor planning mean accidental death for one young man. We'll pick it up in 2 Samuel 6, verse 1. The title of the message is, Trouble in Paradise. 2
2: Samuel chapter 6. The theme of 2 Samuel is a, a heart after God. We remember First and 2 Samuel are not really separate books in, in the sense that they were written by one author together. They were separated later on because there is Saul's reign in 1 Samuel and then you have David's reign in 2 Samuel. But While the whole theme is the heart in these two books, this one really is about David's heart after God. And things are really going well for David finally at this point in chapter 6. David's on the throne. All of Israel's behind him. The Philistines have been defeated. David has conquered Jerusalem. He, he has moved his capital there. And, and David is just in awe of all the blessings, like how just much favor and blessing God has placed upon his life. And he recognizes that God's doing that because God loves his people. And David's fine with that. He doesn't want it to be about him. He's a true servant and he longs for those that he leads to be blessed. But when things are going great in this moment of David's reign, two new problems arise for him. And the sad part is, is both of these problems are of David's making. And so this brings up an important question to us. Do I respond to my personal failures by doubling down? Or do I respond to my personal failures by humbling myself and making things right? So chapter 6, we begin in verse 1. It says, and again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, again, uh, in the sense that he had gathered them to fight the Philistines. Well, now he gathers them for a different mission. It says, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baele of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwells between the cherubims. So here we see that David plans to bring the ark to Jerusalem. David's elite soldiers have grown from the 400 guys in the caves to 30,000 men now that all of Israel is behind him. When Saul chased David around Judah, he took 3,000 elite soldiers. So the immediate thought here is, what military mission is David planning that would require so many elite men? Well, 1 Chronicles chapter 13 gives us more details. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 13, it says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And he sent unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, And that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. Let's bring everybody to Jerusalem. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not inquire at all in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihur of Egypt, even unto the entering of Himath, to bring the ark of God from kirjath Jearim. So what we see here is that things were not as they should be in Israel. After David conquers Jerusalem and makes it his capital, David desires to fix another problem. The ark of the covenant had not been in the tabernacle, the tent that God gave instructions to Moses for Israel to construct so they could worship the Lord. had been there for almost 60 years. And that was a grim reminder of Israel's past wickedness, their time away from God under Eli the judge. When the Philistines defeated Israel, I remember, they captured the ark. Now, remember, God judged the Philistines for that, and so they returned the ark. But Remember, that didn't go well because Israel didn't handle the ark correctly when it returned to them, and then they were judged too. So it's been sitting in this guy Abinadab's garage for the entirety of Saul's reign. And that means, guess what? No day of atonement. No glory of God when they come to worship. All of that's missing during this time, the 60 years. Now, Saul wasn't interested in doing things God's way, so it really doesn't surprise me he didn't try to rectify this problem. But what about the rest of the nation? God promised to be in their midst, and they were missing out on that blessing for a very long time. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2, it tells us that they were lamenting the fact that this had changed. It says in 1 Samuel 7, 2, It came to pass while the ark abode in kyrgyzath that the time was long, for it was 20 years, that's just at the writing of this, And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They missed the Lord. They missed his presence. When they go up to worship, it wasn't the same because the ark wasn't there. This was a problem that needed to be fixed. And so when David proposes a plan, they got to go close to Philistine territory to do this. The nation says, let's do this. Let's go. And so they get 30,000 troops together to go and secure this thing. Verse 2. And David arose and he went with all the people, these 30,000 elite soldiers that were with him. And he went to Baal of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. That's just another name for Kirjath-Jerim, which is Abinadab city. He's the guy who's taking care of the ark. It says they went there to bring up from there the ark of God. And then it has this little comment, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwells between the cherubims. It's not just any box, it's the Ark of the Lord. It's called by the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts that dwells between the cherubims. The Ark is not just a piece of furniture used for rituals. It's not just an ornate box. It's a depiction of God's throne in heaven. And God promised he would set his presence above it. God's presence in and of itself is, of course, wonderful, but no one could ever approach unless you were the high priest, right? So it's not like Israel was missing out on that. And while they could not enjoy God's presence, though, God's presence and proximity brought blessing that they could enjoy, because he's just awesome. Now, how do we know what kind of blessings God was bringing just by his presence being there? Well, it tells us here it was the presence that is according to his name. We see it in his name. Moses understood this because in Exodus chapter 33, when he was asking the Lord, Lord, you know, please go before us and bring us into the promised land after they'd sinned with the, the golden calf. The Lord finally said, yeah, I'll go and Moses said lord i beseech you show me your glory in exodus 32:18 and i love what the lord said he said i will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim the name of the lord before you and then of course we know the story god hides moses in the cleft of the rock and he passes by and he covers it up so that he won't die And his presence goes by, his goodness goes by, and as he's going by and his goodness is going by, he declares his name, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, you know, all the things that he says there before Moses. That's the stuff that Israel was missing out on, the goodness of God. It's not that God wasn't all those things while the ark was away, and it's not that God didn't want to bless them. But God told them that he would bring these types of blessings through his presence there in the tabernacle. And they hadn't been obedient to that. The ark needed to return to its proper place for them to experience all those things, all those blessings. And so that's what this military mission goes to Kirjah's to do. We're going to bring the ark back and put it where it's supposed to be. And so verse 3, they set the ark of God upon a new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gabeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, they drove this new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gabeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all kinds of instruments made of firwood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Gebeah here is not the actual city. We know from 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, that Abinadab lived on a hill outside the city of Kirjath-Jerim. The word Gebeah just means hill. So the idea here is they go to this house on a hill, they get the ark out of Abinadab's garage, they put it on the new cart, and then Abinadab's sons are going to have the honor, since they cared for this thing, to one of them, Ahio, is going to walk in front of it, and then Uzzah is going to walk on the side in this place of honor. And then David's going to go before the the procession of the ark and there's going to be instruments and it's going to be this massive celebration. That's what the word played means. They celebrated on all these instruments. It's going to be this huge parade to Jerusalem, a massive celebration. And you know what? Everything's going great. The ark is moving towards Jerusalem. Everybody's playing their instruments. What a special day for everybody, right? Until it's not. Look at verse six. And when they came to Nakon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died right beside the ark of God. There's no party killer like somebody having that happen to him. Everything comes to a screeching halt. Well, what happened? Well, when the oxen, it says shook, it means they stumbled, which would have then caused the ark to topple because it's just sitting on a cart. Uzzah took hold. He grabbed the ark to make sure it did not fall off. And when he did that, it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God killed him for his, King James says, error. The word there, it's the word sin. It means accidental wrongdoing. In other words, Uzzah wasn't trying to do anything wrong. He didn't sit there and think, I'm going to touch this ark when I'm not supposed to, and I don't care what God says. It was in the moment. He did something he shouldn't have done, but again, it wasn't with ill intent. We read this sometimes and go, God, why why did you do this? Well, Exodus chapter 25, I'll read it to you real quick. Verses 11 through 14 explains the building of the ark, and in the building of the ark of the covenant, it tells us, how it's supposed to be transported. It says, And you shall make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the staves into the rings that are on the sides of the ark so that the ark may be carried with those staves. In Numbers chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it gets even more detailed. Numbers 4, 5, and 6, it says, And when the camp sets forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. And then they'll put on top of the covering, the covering of badger skins, and then they'll spread over it a cloth holy of blue, and then they'll put the staves inside. So the idea is, even when they took down the ark, when they were deconstructing the tabernacle, when they would go on the move, They were supposed to do it a certain way. Only Aaron and his sons were supposed to break it down. And then even then, no one was supposed to see it. They were going to put multiple layers of curtains on top of it and then slide the staffs in and then the guys would come grab it. And so it's interesting. You read on in verse 15. It says, and when Aaron and his sons have made, and this is God's instructions to Moses, when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, As the camp is to set forward, after that, the sons of Kohath shall come and carry it, the ark. But they shall not, the sons of Kohath, shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. This is not a confusing issue of what happened here. God gave very clear instructions. This is how it's supposed to be done, and I need you to do it this way so nobody dies. Okay? The ark, first off, it's to be carried by Levites. It's not to be picked up like a loaf of bread. It's to be used the stave so that no one touches the ark. It has been set apart by the Lord, and he gave clear instructions on how to do it, how how to move it. And if someone besides the high priest family ever touches it, well, then they will die. So while Uzzah wasn't trying to do anything wrong, number one, he's not a Levite shouldn't be the one carrying this thing in the first place, and he hasn't been trained in the proper way to care for the ark. That does not make what he did, however, okay. In Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17, when God is covering all the offerings for sins and trespasses, he says, And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he doesn't realize it, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, first off, let's not get into the conversation of what's fair, because if we begin talking about the cross and we want to talk about fairness, all of us are going to lose that conversation. So the issue is, is that God is perfect. He has a perfect way of doing things, and it's not okay to violate that in any way, shape, or form for any reason. Okay? So that's our standard. That's how just things are. Now, Uzzah sinned. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. While his sin was accidental, David set him up for failure. David knew better. In fact, if we go back to 1 Chronicles, if we go a few chapters after chapter 11, we go to chapter 15, we get some insight that 2 Samuel doesn't tell us. After this event happens and David decides to bring the ark back again, he shows here that he knows how it's supposed to be done. First Chronicles 15, verses 11 through 13. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, and Joel, Shemaiah, and Eliel, and Aminadab, and said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers, the leader of the fathers of the Levites, Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought Him not after the due order. David knew how it was supposed to be done. He did, he didn't do this out of ignorance. He, he didn't do this because he thought, "Oh, well, I don't know, God." He knew, and he set Uzzah up for failure. I don't know what he was thinking, but he made a bad choice. And it cost us his life. Now, there's a lesson for leaders there. It's this. Leaders can't afford to cut corners. Leaders can't afford to say, well, we're doing a good thing. How we do it isn't important. Doing things the right way is just as important to God as achieving the right result. I'm going to say that again. Doing things the right way is just as important to God as achieving the right result. And therefore, it should be important to me too. And so when this tragedy occurs, it's interesting. There's one of the first times we see this, but David's angry at the Lord. His, his response is not good. It says, and David, verse 8, 2 Samuel 6, was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, had 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 an outburst upon Uzzah and acted. And so David actually named the place Perez Uzzah to this day, which means outburst against Uzzah. Every time somebody walked by there, like, hey, what's that over there? Well, that's Perez Uzzah. Outburst against Uzzah? What's that about? God killed this guy, and David was really mad about it. The word, therefore, displeased, it's the same exact word when it says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. Same phrase. David's anger was kindled against the Lord. David was outraged at God for doing this. How can you do this, God? We're trying to do something good. Things have been going so well, now you've ruined it all. Ruined my parade. David may have been thinking he was doing worship, but worship isn't worship because instruments are being played or people are celebrating or even because we have a a spiritual goal or mindset. Worship occurs when hearts are yielded to the King of Kings, when our desire is to do things his way. And you know what's interesting? That can happen without instruments, without celebrating people, and it can even happen without having the spiritual mindset. Some of the greatest moments of worship in my life have been when I just stood up and took the Lord's hand in obedience to Him, despite not feeling spiritual in the least. David... We can look at this and go, man, I can't believe he got angry at God. But he's, he's not so alone in his response. I've seen many who name the name of Christ as their Savior get angry at the Lord. You know, because, well, everything was fine and God messed it all up. They say, well, yeah, but didn't, didn't you do this? And isn't that not the way God said to do it? Yeah, but, I mean, it's just one thing. Why did God have to go and let all this happen because of this one thing? I wasn't trying to do anything bad. It's never a good sign when my first response to a ruined day or a ruined month or a ruined year is to blame God instead of maybe look at what I could have done better. When I am in that place and I believe that somehow God has been unfair or God's been unfaithful to me, what happens is is I automatically move away from two very crucial truths. Number one, the truth that God always loves me. And number two, that God is always good. Anytime I start to do that, I move away from those two truths. And, and when I move away from those two truths, and I don't know if God loves me anymore, I don't know if God's good, fear sets in. And so in verse 9, it says, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? You know, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that famous verse, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. That's where David's at. He is somehow moved away from God's love because he's lost this idea that God is good, lost this idea that, that God loves him. And so now he's afraid. What, what is God going to do to me? He doesn't say, he's not saying, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me in the sense of like, well, how can I bring it to me? No, he's going, how can I bring this thing to me when this is what happens when somebody messes up? You know, is God just going to kill everybody in Jerusalem if the next bad thing I do? He was scared of what else God might do in the future. And so because David's casting blame on God for this, he pulls away from God. And that left David to try to figure out what to do next on his own. And let me tell you, that's the worst place to take yourself. And it will always result in a bad choice. It will always result in a choice that doesn't glorify the Lord. So verse 10, David decides, we're not gonna bring it to Jerusalem. We're gonna transport it somewhere else. So David would not remove the Ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. Instead, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Two important things to see there. Number one, how did David bring it there? He carried it. He had it carried, not on a cart. He did it the right way. And who's Obed-Edom? Well, if we go back to First Chronicles chapter 15, we would find out that Obed-Edom is a Levite who lived near Jerusalem. The guy who's supposed to handle it. So again, David's not ignorant of how this is supposed to go. He knows who's supposed to handle the ark and he knows how it's supposed to be transported. And guess what? Everything was fine on this trip to Obed Edom's house. But instead of bringing it all the way to Jerusalem, he's scared to do that because he thinks God might get me again. Listen, when you mess up, because it's going to happen, all right? If you're a believer, That does not make you immune to sin, right? We have victory in Christ, surely, but do we always make that choice? And and you and I know the answer to that question. We don't. So we're going to have a point where we're going to have to own up to the Lord, all of us. Probably multiple points. For some of us like me, multiple points every day. When that happens, when you mess up, don't make things more complicated by not owning up. God isn't out there looking to condemn you when you blow it. He's trying to teach us to fix it. And he is more than ready to help us do so. And so he allows something to happen sometimes so we can see this is not okay. So the ark's taken to this home of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his family, his household. God is so gracious to us when we're in the worst place, we're in the worst mindset. God could have been totally perturbed with David. Really? This is how you're going to do it? You're going to blame me for this. You knew how you're supposed to do this, decided not to do it. I told you what happened if you didn't do it right, and that happened, and now it's my fault? God could have been completely perturbed, and yet instead, he graciously blesses Obed Edom for three all oh, the whole time the ark's with him, almost as if to kind of lovingly tease David. David, this blessing could be yours if you just humble yourself and acknowledge that you should have done this right the first time. I'm not angry with you. We can fix this. This blessing can be for you just like it's for Obed Edom. Quit being stubborn. Instead, David stews for three months before coming to his senses. If you've been staying away from the Lord lately, stop. He loves you. and He wants to bless you. God has been so gracious. We see it example after example in the scriptures, and you know it in your own life. And every time God has said, Will, just come back and let's start from the beginning again. Let's start from the beginning again.
1: This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez